everybody and welcome back to the Justin Insight podcast and it's been a very very long time since I've had you on this wonderful platform. Um, yeah, had a little break, had various things going on in life, work life being busy, personal life being busy, just not being able to get the guests that I was wanting and I just thought take away a little time away from the show, recharge and go again so here we are episode 223 and thank you for everyone who has stuck by us who has has been patient with with us while we kind of get this going again the original plan was to to get this going again in october but as i said getting guests on the show didn't line up so here we are in november back in full swing of things and yeah just away we go. Um, I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because I don't want to sort of bore everybody with what's been going on with with my life and I'm sure you're here to listen to the wonderful and wonderful guests I have rather than me babbling on about all my woes and so on and so forth. So we'll get cracking. So this week on the returning episode of Justin Insight, uh, I am joined by a very dear friend of mine, uh, bass player and vocalist of uh, metal band Harriet, Jake Packer. Um, myself and Jake actually met on tour when uh, Harriet supported Svalbard. Um, we met very, very briefly beforehand through a mutual friend saying that we were going on tour to- together. It was a bit of an awkward interaction, um, but since then we've become very good friends. Um so yeah, I wanted to get Jake on because I know that they've got some sort of like really interesting uh, sort of like influences and things like that. And that's kind of what I'm trying to sort of move this show more towards is talking about what actually influences people rather than just this being a generic sort of interview about their music and so on and so forth. So we get into talking about Jake's love for, of sort of uh, medieval history and, and fantasy, um, how sort of like veganism has kind of influences his music and also kind of like the ambiguity of his his lyrics and how that's kind of led to the creative charges that are within Harriet. Um, so yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Jake, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello everyone. It's been a while and um, I'm going to be joined by a very, very lovely friend of mine who is absolutely fucking blowing up the world of fucking heavy music at the moment, bassist and vocalist of Harriet, Jake Packer. Jake, thank you very much for, for joining me. How are you doing, my man? No, not a problem. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for the un- undeserved introduction. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, my man. How... But um, I want to kind of like just jump in. Basically, this will probably come out just as you're about to hit the road with fucking Zealand or of fucking all bands. Yeah. So how did that come about? Um, honestly, uh, from what we heard through how we got the offer was that they just really liked the band <laughs> and we got, they just, uh, yeah. Cause I think it was meant to be, we got initially asked to do the whole of the Europe tour as well as just yeah, yeah. the UK. Um, but being it so close to like Christmas and having another tour that's not announced yet, just after Christmas, we wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to afford to um, do it, unfortunately. But then yeah, we went yeah. back and said, We'd love to, if, is there any way we can just do the UK? Uh, 
tracks and they were really really sad about it so yeah they just apparently just fans of the band which is cool because they're wicked too and like it's definitely a weird yeah lineup, yeah but in the best way because they're kind of weird we're kind of weird but there's metal at the heart of it i guess so it should be yeah yeah fancy it being yeah i think it's cool and i guess that's the thing like at the moment because like you guys are like obviously you're playing like all like the metal shows and stuff but i think people are still kind of like struggling to meet well not struggling that's maybe the wrong word but like finding a pinpoint to put you in because like, obviously you're still like playing with like the like hardcore bands and then like your straight up metal bands and stuff so i don't know are you enjoying the kind of like I guess diversity of like the kind of lineups you're playing. Yeah, I mean, for us, like we've Dev's been in the band for like three years, but before that, I mean, the band's been a band for about eight years now, so been doing it quite a while. It might not seem yeah yeah that long to a lot of people that are just sort of finding this out now, but we have been going for quite a while. And back in the day, it was very similar to well, we end up playing a lot of hardcore shows, but then. We've got hardcore bits, but we were never really a, a hardcore band. Definitely more metal influenced. Um, and I think from going from that to now playing loads of shows with just well, not even metal bands and stuff. We're playing with like uh, like Witch Fever and like Flip Drift and stuff like that. And it's just like it's the best. I I much prefer that. Like don't get me wrong, I love playing like punk hardcore shows and stuff like that because they they've got their own thing going on as well, but having the opportunity to sort of mix it up a bit and for like a band as extreme in places as us to play with bands that are completely different kind of lets everyone get their own little spotlight on what they're doing. And things like the people coming to shows are really open to everything. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's definitely been a big thing after lockdown is just loads of people just uh, going to shows and all the, all the bills being so kind of mental and not so... Um, because obviously, yeah, yeah, definitely. Since since back in the day, it's always been like, right, there's a metal show and there's these metal bands, and you have to put metal bands on with metal bands, and you have to put hardcore bands on with hardcore bands. It's just like, I think that's kind of gone out the window a little <laughs> yeah. bit. I mean, you kind of see it a bit still, and there's no problem with that at all. Obviously, I I go to shows all the time where it's just all metal bands or all grindcore bands and stuff like that. I love it, but. Definitely, but on the other side of it, like playing shows where you're playing with different genre bands, it's, it's, it's so much more fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, how I kind of like to get into like the nitty gritty of, of whoever I'm talking to, I always kind of like go back to the, the start of their sort of like musical journey and shit. Oh, sorry if you can hear my... <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be one of those because, uh, yeah, this internet's gonna probably cut out at some point House, as well. Housemates burning down the yeah, fucking house. Classic, classic. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, how did you kind of like get into like alternative music in the first place? Like, what was your kind of introduction to it? Oh, I've got. Oh, Mate, you got dinner. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot they ordered pizza in it. <laughs> um, Ian, Ian Early was just like, "Oh, did we get pizza? Do you want one?" I was like, "Oh yeah, go for it." And now I forgot. And now it's here. <laughs> um, sorry. That's cool, um, man. Um, how did I get into it? I got quite lucky, really. Um, my dad was in bands 
when he was like 17, 18. And then all through my life, he was doing bands. If they weren't like original bands, they were sort of cover bands and just playing pubs yeah. and stuff. So from that and just being exposed to like metal, at like, well, as long as I can remember, like Sabbath and stuff when I was like seven or eight, like ACDC and stuff like that. And then obviously as you progress, you uh, crave the heavier stuff and find yeah, it out. Yeah. And then someone shows you Slipknot one day and then your whole world's open to <laughs> yeah. some other stuff. And then like, I remember my dad's mate um, that kind of got me into like the more extreme side of uh, metal and stuff, like away from like the more classic rock and like, uh, like UK, British heavy metal kind of classic stuff. Um, gave me a, a hard drive with a bunch of, death metal and like crust and grind and all this stuff on and I was listening to it and then talking to my dad about some of the bands on there and it was like Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that and then my dad confiscated it off me <laughs> he was like you need, you need to wait a few more years if you're going to start getting into this stuff because I was only like 12 or 13 at the time he's like you need to you need to simmer down a bit like I was like <laughs> but obviously I, I already knew what, what bands were on there so I just uh going to some more extreme stuff and then from there just yeah i think just i kind of got into hardcore and like punk hardcore stuff just from luckily getting to play shows with bands yeah. like that and just sort of that was my that's how i got exposed to that sort of scene because i was definitely very much metal orientated yeah yeah more like yeah metal, so metal was it stuff. Like... and then that's kind of that kind of came in about when i was about 15 or 16 so was your dad kind of like I don't, not necessarily like introducing it to you but was it just kind of like stuff that because he was playing in bands and was it kind of just like stuff that was around yeah, yeah, yeah. like um my dad's always been doing music and since i can remember he was always he's always just been playing music and do whatever he does he always has music on and just like i think when i was about oh, i can't say a specific age probably eight or nine he gave me a um cassette player headphone cassette player and he used to yeah, burn yeah. uh cassettes off the radio and label them and he had boxes and boxes full of these cassettes and i remember he gave me one like it was like deep purple fireball and stuff like that and i can like really really remember Same. just those specific ones and like some sabbath ones as well i've just like just as a kid lying in the garden and just listening to these like listening to this music on this uh old like walkman cassette player but yeah, just stuff like that, like kind of sticks with you, I think. And then, yeah, just because obviously, like, if he's was like doing bands and stuff, and obviously, I know it's a slightly different world, but obviously, how much like Harriet is kind of like picking up, like, what's his kind of reaction to? Oh well, yeah, this is yeah, um, this is a funny thing because yeah, he's obviously super stoked on how well it's going, and uh, but he's not really super into sort of heavy heavy music he obviously knows yeah, yeah. where my influences have come from and how i got here and he 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 likes it and appreciates it but he definitely wouldn't uh i don't think he de would sit down put on the record saying just uh yeah it's a bit probably a bit too extreme in places for him but it's there he is there he is but no nah, like he, he's definitely um just how crazy stuff's been in the last year. He's uh, been pretty stoked. Mum and that as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like, yeah. But I guess it's one of those things you don't really expect. Well, 
just you just do yeah, the band yeah, stuff in the band, but if it starts happening, it's cool on top as well. It's like added bonus. Yeah. Yeah, it's been wicked. So you mentioned obviously like kind of looking out, well, kind of like going heavier and heavier progressively and, and stuff like that. But, and you obviously mentioned like Slipknot and bands like Cannibal Corpse and things like that. But what were the kind of, were they kind of like the main bands that you would say that like you gravitated towards when you were sort of like really seeking out music of your own accord kind of thing? I think they were like the more sort of mainstream. I mean, Cannibal Corpse wasn't, like mainstream as such but like definitely household household like name, names in yeah. so if you're yeah, yeah. someone like us you know them in this sort of like this music scene you just like that like household name yeah yeah um but from there kind of just i had a i had a long period where i was just sort of from these bands i'd, I'd spend hours and hours on like blog spots and stuff trying to find i mean i still to this day look for just bands I've never heard of before that are related to bands that I like and you just find the coolest shit. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And it's kinda of, kind of an addiction of just trying to find these bands that like <laughs> yeah. it's not about not people not knowing about them, but I want to find these bands that I have that I, Yeah, yeah. Do yeah, you know what I mean? 100%. It's just like you kinda of get excited about it. You're like, oh I've never heard this band before and you find it and then you show your mate and they're like, Oh my god, this is crazy. And then you just yeah, yeah. all get gassed up on it and stuff like that. But I think I've always kind of done that so uh, yeah i mean i still do it to this day but not yeah, yeah. necessarily i mean there's definitely influences of that kind of more mainstream stuff in when i was starting the band and bands prior to that but yeah, yeah. i think i never really try and set out to start a band or to write songs like a band i just if anything, I'll be like, right, okay, I want to do a song that's kind of inspired by this band and I'll listen to like 10 seconds of it and then I won't allow myself to listen to any more <laughs> because then I'll end up just copying it. Do you know what I mean? I'll be really, really yeah, careful yeah, with yeah. it. I kind of like little bursts of just, oh, that's cool, turn it off, never listen to it again. And then <laughs> and then by the time I get around to actually like taking it in and having that in my mind while I'm writing a song, I've forgotten about it enough that, it's my interpretation of what I thought I heard. And then that's yeah, how yeah, it becomes yeah. not a carbon copy, if you know what I mean. Because yeah, for years not, and years, it's so easy. Like, I, it was, oh, you know, I want to write a Slipknot song. And then you just basically just write a, a Slipknot song that's already, that already exists. <laughs> and then you fall yeah. into that rabbit hole. But yeah, definitely seeking stuff out that's kind of cool and just taking bits here and there. And yeah, seems to work for me. But. And then in terms of you obviously like playing music, obviously like most people know you now as kind of playing bass in, in Harriet. But like I think we've had a conversation before. Like, didn't you start like with guitar? Was that your kind of like first play in? Yeah, um I'd still to this day play guitar. I just when I started the band it was just me and I'd been in bands with Julian and Erhan before but yeah the band I was in before was like a melodic hardcore band that I ended up I started playing guitar in and wrote like all most of the stuff for and then a uh, guitarist no our vocalist left and I was like I'll give it a go 
and it was pretty horrible. But I yeah. gave it a go, and then from that, I was like, well, kind of can just get away with just shouting, like you know, it's just vocals, yeah, yeah. vocals. You just smash it in, and then when I started, I wanted to do like a proper heavy band again. Um, I was playing guitar and writing all this music, but I didn't. At the time, it was just I wanted Julian and Ohan in the band, and that was like it was like a three piece, and I, yeah, I didn't want to just get. I, I didn't know any vocalists at the time that were my friends or anything, but I didn't really want to get just some random person in because I wanted it to be like mates band. It was like men, of, like do you know what I mean, just because it was. The idea was to just play music with these two because we haven't done it in ages. So I took the, yeah. <laughs> I took the form was like, right, okay, I'll play bass so I can do vocals because it's easier. And then that's how it's, that's how it's been <laughs> since it's been. So I still do, I, I, I do write a lot of the Harriet material on guitar. Yeah. I just play bass in the band. It's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which works. <laughs> but like, so obviously when you kind of like, we're starting to like, I guess, like learning guitar and stuff like that. Like, were there kind of people that you had sort of in mind that not necessarily like you, well, I guess in some aspects, maybe aspired to be sort of thing, but like, were there guitarists like when you were younger that you were like, that guy looks sick playing guitar? I want to be. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a, a, a few to listen to. I mean, I, when I was growing up, like from like the classic rock kind of stuff, I mean, and like the new wave of well the british heavy metal kind of stuff like definitely tony iomi like sabbath was like a big one for me mm. and like angus young from acdc like just your kind of classic staple yeah, yeah. rock guitarists like i think in like year five i've got like a, a a leaflet i made in year five of like my favorite rock guitarists and i like drew it all in it and <laughs> said why i thought they were cool and all this stuff like your kind of classic stuff but then yeah as I like got into my sort of seeking out more heavy extreme stuff I'd say probably like a big one for me was uh Roadrunner um like the Roadrunner yeah, yeah. DVD thing have you seen that the, the no nah, so uh, no nah, I can't remember what it's oh, called no. uh, I think it was Roadrunner United it was like a anniversary you know the one where like oh, yeah, all yeah, the yeah, people yeah. from different bands on Roadrunner got together and start like did yeah, it as an yeah. anniversary thing. That was like a big one for me. Is to like so like Dino Gonzalez from like Fear Factory. I love Fear Factory growing up. Like that's another one that was on that hard drive my dad's mate gave me. That was huge. I mean, like, yeah. even stuff like I mean Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King from Slayer. Like I got into Slayer super early. Well, I said get into them when you want but I was like 10 when I got to <laughs> and like since then I've just absolutely worshipped that band I think that's it but that was I just thought they were the coolest as well just like yeah probably those guys I mean Rob Flynn Machine Head is cool he just looks sick like yeah. the what is it the Dynamo Live Vid the 99 something the classic yeah, with yeah. the cornrows and stuff like that I'm a big surfer yeah, yeah, for like yeah. 2000s like now kind of and stuff like that it's it had you just know yeah, it's from yeah. that era like guitar tones are sick just the vibe is cool but it wasn't new metal it was like it was adjacent <laughs> to and there was definitely bits that creeped in but it wasn't 
which is that was definitely more my side yeah, of things. Yeah. Like Julian and her hand love new metal. I it's it's all right. It is what it is. It is its thing. But I'm way more like <laughs> on the yeah that side of it, that kind of stuff. I was gonna say, I think Ju- Julian's like still wavering. Honestly, like, yeah. Like, every time we do like interviews like... and stuff, and we, like talking about like music and like new music, his answer every time is just like, "Don't ask me. I still listen to stuff from like 20, 20 years ago, new metal stuff. I literally don't listen to any new music." And I was like, "I mean, he does, but he still really does just listen to new metal." But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you obviously kind of mentioned like earlier bands uh, a little bit. But like obviously, in terms of you kind of then like going out and playing like in bands and stuff, what was kind of like the first? I guess your like first quote unquote like proper band that you were a part of. Um, if you're talking proper band, I won't mention the first band I was in because that was. Well, oh, so yeah, this is hot. The first band now. <laughs> uh, so Julian and Erham were in a in a band when I was in school because they were the year above me, and they were in a band called uh, right. VOTB. They were called um, "Vicious of the Beloved." Doesn't make sense. Metal name. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, our friend played guitar, and I think he he packed it in basically. I mean, we're talking like this is like a proper band. We're all like fourteen, fifteen. I think I was fourteen. He packed <laughs> yeah. it in. But that's probably the wrong. He just he obviously like I don't know. He got onto something else. He had a different hobby because he was like fourteen. But uh, and then I joined. That was my like first band experience. Um, after that. That lasted for a bit, and then it just sort of fizzled, as school bands do. But um, I yeah. guess like first proper band that like we were playing shows regularly and stuff was a band called Nature's. That was with uh, Harry Steele. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a few others. So like the members, I don't know. Do you know a band called Rain? Like Harry's other band. So yeah. So yeah, basically, yeah, like, yeah. Nature's split, and I did Harriet and Harry and Reese from. Um, nature's did rain and that's kind of where we went they went shoegaze i went more metal and then it all comes <laughs> yeah. back around again but, but that's kind of yeah that was how i met harry in the first place but yeah we played some shows oh, like, that's cool just did a few like house shows and stuff in brighton that was cool um but again didn't really last too long um just organization yeah. and all that like just getting people in the room mainly me i was really bad at I was really bad at turning up. I smoked weed at the time, so I was just like, <laughs> "Yeah, I just, just, I just, getting I just instead. didn't have, just didn't have the drive or energy to do it." I was just, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It was cool. That was like the main ones. Um, yeah, that was that kind of period where everyone was like, "Well, like melodic hardcore was like top of everyone's list for a while." You know, the time. yeah, like, yeah. I mean, everyone discovered Have Heart. Well, I mean. For me, we all discovered it way later on, but in college, where everyone's just, oh my god, these bands, and then you start doing, yeah, you yeah, don't do anything else, and then title fight happened, and then you're just like, oh my god, I have to be <laughs> like this, please, because like, that's it. But yeah, that's the time where yeah, everyone yeah. was doing it, and I was definitely part of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, kind of obviously, like speaking of that time, obviously, I know, like you've obviously live in Bristol now, but. Yes. Swindon boy, yeah. right? So probably home to one of, in my opinion, the the best UK melodic hardcore. Oh yeah, that's and again that was it as well. Cold Harbour were like, out for all of us growing up, like the boys. Yeah, the fuck, like we wanted, yeah. everyone wanted to like do what they were doing because they were like 
the only band really that well that appealed to a lot of our friendship group and stuff like that that were like doing sick music touring europe doing doing everything that we wanted to do basically and like yeah yeah and like yeah like they're all good pals now like it was cool to sort of just see them do what they do like and then obviously like tom started playing in landscapes as well and like it was just a good yeah scene that kept rolling through swindon because of cold harbor and like crooks used to come through all the time and stuff like that there was a good little scene around that sort of area but yeah that's what i was going to ask because obviously like i obviously knew them because like i'd put them on a couple of times back in portsmouth and things and like we worked together on like releases but like in terms of like hometown and stuff like was there much of like a scene in in swindon and stuff so like so like the more melodic hardcore stuff, I don't, I mean, I was, when when I knew who Cold Harbor were, I was probably still like 14, like I think I've seen them like 13, yeah. 14. Um, and as far as I can remember, there wasn't too many melodic hardcore bands or, or even like hardcore bands. But then again, I wasn't as educated then on the scene because I couldn't even get into shows at that point. I'd have to try and sneak into shows. And, <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. So like that was like you had yeah, Cold Harbor and there was another band called Sives. Um, but then yeah, sort of outskirts, I guess, yeah, Crooks used to come through quite a bit and play because of Cold Harbor and Landscapes as well. But yeah, other than that, like yeah. there used to be quite a good scene, like a metal scene. Because Swinning used to be on the map for like touring circuits back in the day. For like uh like the yeah. venue called the furnace and stuff like that you get like annotations of an autopsy and like and shikari back in the day loads of bands would come through and then it just sort of fizzled out a little bit there's a little bit more now um, yeah um but yeah i think just because bristol was so close and there was a lot of surrounding areas like cheltenham and like the kind of gloucester area and stuff like that but a lot of people a lot of bands in swindon uh, well like in melodic hardcore or hardcore and metal and stuff like seeked like outsourced the scene from other nearby places yeah I yeah think. yeah and that's no fault to anyone in swindon i think it was just there wasn't enough places to play or enough people putting stuff on really it's not like bristol where there's so many people putting stuff on there's like a really strong tight-knit the scene yeah, was tight-knit yeah. but there was it wasn't as organized i think as somewhere like bristol if you know what i mean yeah yeah but like so like in terms of you like attending shows as you said like those like maybe sort of cold harbor shows you were a bit too young and like had to sneak in and stuff but like when you like started actively like going to shows and things like that why are you kind of more going to bristol and stuff like that yeah we basically yeah bristol was kind of close by enough that we could get the train and stuff i remember going to see i think who's the first band i saw (laughs) First band I probably saw in Bristol, Rolo Tomasi at the Fleece, probably about. Yeah, so no down, way. Like, That's a... God, I don't even know. I was probably like 15, something like that. Me and I had in. That's hilarious. And it wicked. And I bought like the records I used to have on my wall. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, stuff like that. I think I saw This Town Needs Guns at Fetla when I was like 14, 15. Um, and then, yeah. After that, when we got when I got to like college out of school, we'd come here all the time because like the police and stuff like that. It was like 
kind of see like balance of composure piano for the teeth defeater like story so far just all these bands that we love from like all the yeah, yeah. From, like sophie's floorboard and all this stuff like we'd come up here and just watch those kind of shows basically because they didn't really play in something like it wasn't that kind of circuit i don't think yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's hilarious though. That yeah, right? I, honestly, like, like when we circle, when we got offered to go on the tour, I've got I still it's still on uh, a YouTube channel that I own. There's a uh, video of me covering a Rollo Tomasi song when I was like 14, 15. That's amazing. <laughs> just... Please tell I me. Did, I didn't. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I did, but maybe I was drunk, <laughs> but I can't remember. But um, I do need to. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's online it's online that's that's cool so then in terms of your kind of like i guess sort of like progression into like where i guess more where we're at sort of now kind of thing so you were kind of doing that bands with with harry and then you said like that kind of split off in was that so that was that the split into like the first iteration of yeah harry? so like i sort of I like. I really enjoyed being in the band. That was like a band that was loads of my friends were in. But I think I was just falling out of love with like playing melodic hardcore and kind of that kind of style. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to like my metal kind of roots and like on doing the melodic yeah. hardcore. I got into loads of hardcore bands. So like that was fresh in my mind. And obviously I love metal anyway. So I just wanted to like mash those two together. Um, so that kind of just fizzled probably on my part but then they yeah they sort of regrouped and started to do rain which is more like same as me but with shoegaze and like going more that direction and i went the yeah. more metal direction and did harriet basically that's kind of what happened yeah but yeah um which is cool because i say through that band i've met loads of my mates that i still like some of my best mates today kind of thing and, just doing yeah, stuff yeah. And you mentioned earlier, like obviously, that you wanted to kind of do this band again with with mm. Julian and Airhan. So, how did you kind of first meet meet those guys? Was it because you said they were like yeah? So that was, was that first school? band, that VOTB band. That was how I well. So I like in school, I used to hang around with like people for a couple of years above me in school because metal guys and like. Like just, do you know what yeah. I mean? Just like people that listen to metal and stuff, they're all older, so that's who I am. And they're yeah, all yeah. like two years above me, and then they all left to go to college and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit, I got no one to hang out with now. But then like Julian and Erhan and a, a bunch of other mates were like associated with those guys, so I kind of just, I was like, yo, can I hang out with you guys now? <laughs> so like, yeah. Um, that kind of happened. But yeah, we were in that band for a while, and we were always like really good pals, but. They did a, we did another band, me and Ohammer in another band. And then Julian was in another band. And then like basically just like in and out of bands, but not all in one band together. So that was like probably like yeah, five, yeah. five years on, five, six years on, just regrouping again because we just really enjoyed playing together back at the day. Yeah. And then obviously like, so in that kind of, I keep saying like, oh, mate, my smoke alarm's going to go. Again. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> you have to get some editing on this one. I'm made fucking, yeah, fucking hilarious. Um, but like, 
Yes, yeah, I keep saying first iteration, but it's not an iteration because the band still existed. But I guess in those like early sort of sort of moments with Harriet, like what was the because obviously the sound yeah, changed yeah. a lot, and I know that like like the three of you specifically have kind of like said in like other interviews and stuff that you you kind of don't consider that Harriet, even though it yeah, it's like a definitely an older version of. I mean, yeah. When I when I started writing the first Harriet stuff, I think I was like seventeen. So and I was yeah, I was smoking weed and I was super into my like doom, stoner kind of metal that kind of really slow sort of stuff, yeah. and that was kind of my mix coming in with like the hardcore stuff as well. So the sound was completely different. So all the influences that I have yeah. today for the band that it is today were still present but those took prominence back in the day for when but at the time just because of how i how i was in like i guess my social circles and stuff that was like i just loved listening to like more doomy slow stuff and then i kind of grew out of not grew out of but like that part of my life kind of stopped and then i stopped listening to like the stoner doomy kind of crusty stuff and got back into my kind of classic roots of like the kind of metal core hardcore stuff which is then why the band sort of took that turn but i think it's just because that first we did a that one first ep like the old ep um it was so long ago and like even though we were a band and we released that we were still a band a long time after that and we were writing loads of music that didn't sound like that at all then but we just didn't record or release any of it (laughs) and then when we finally got round to it Deborah joined so then we were like right so let's spin all this again and restart again so it just took like, yeah, it was like yeah. a, a lot of um just wasted time I guess but it all paid <laughs> off in the end and we eventually got to where we are now kind of like sound wise but it's all just a yeah excessive journey to get there I think everyone just was like oh it's such a different sound to what you're doing now but I mean we put that out and there was like four four or five years in between that and our first release with Deb we wrote so much music in that time that didn't sound like that. We just, no one heard it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, that's what happened. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, in those, in that, like, early days, you say, like, you were kind of had the more sort of, like, doomy sort of sound to it. So what, what bands were you kind of, like, pulling from when you were kind of writing? I mean, Sabbath, straight up, because that was, like, like, main influence today. But, like, yeah. more current ones, I guess, like, Bong Ripper, like, um, God, uh, Oh, I can't even remember the names of bands now because it was such a blur, the whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> you know, like uh, Thou, stuff like that, kind of just really heavy, doomy, crusty yeah. stuff. Like Sleep. Like, uh, Weed Eater, big one. Love that. Because yeah. I think they were three-piece as well. So I was like, I want to do yeah. Weed Eater, but with fast bits. But that was kind of the vibe. Nice. And stuff like that, basically. Just all that kind of crusty doom stuff. Say it. I like Conan as well, yeah. but yeah, I can barely even remember the stuff I was listening to back then. Again, it was one of those <laughs> where, like, like I said, I used to delve through blog spots and just places on the internet that I could find these like really out there sort of doomy stoner bands. So I would never like remember the names of the bands. I'd just uh, just find yeah, them, create yeah, a playlist, yeah. and then just put it on and be like, yeah, just indulge <laughs> in it basically. But... And then obviously, like you said, like there was obviously this period of time where you were still writing and 
stuff, but it never kind of it was music that never saw the mm. light of day. But like obviously in that period of time you went to Yeah, Bristol, yeah, right? so was that yeah. Yeah, I moved to Bristol I've been in Bristol for like seven, almost eight years now. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was like eighteen, almost nineteen when I moved to Bristol for uni. I didn't move to Bristol to do uni. I just did uni so I could move to Bristol, if you know what I mean. That was the easiest way to get to Bristol without, well, it, get accommodation and stuff. Like, basically, like it gave me the chance yeah, to yeah, yeah. be here for three years, make loads of friends, learn where everything is, and just, like, get comfortable in Bristol. That when I finished uni, barely, that I um I I knew Bristol enough to stay here, and that was always the plan, so... But yeah, yeah, that's it. I think that was another reason we were quite slow with stuff because I think we were just playing. So, we played so many shows between releasing that first EP and then like Deb joining, but we just never released any other music. We were just like writing music and then just playing it live and not recording it. So like, our our sound definitely right, changed, yeah. but it just was never recorded basically. So and that's how we kind of yeah. got to the point now. So if like when Deb came in again, it was like right. Dead came in, we were just about to start recording some new music and then lockdown happened. So we were like, right, scrap that again. Let's start writing newer stuff that we can then put out when we can start doing shows again and like stockpile a bunch of stuff so that when we can play shows again, we've got a bunch of stuff we can just release as and when. Sort of buy some yeah, time because yeah. as a band, you don't really get that much time that we had in lockdown to sort of yeah catch definitely. up when you have to play shows all the time and like you want to play shows all the time it's hard to sort of get together as well as that but so when you went to uni was that what did you production. study was that yeah yeah cool so that's what i'm gonna say like we'll shift into that side of things because i think obviously people that know you like well know that that's a string that you have to your your bow that like you do like recording yeah. and engineering and, and stuff like that so but like, how did you kind of get into to that side of stuff? Um, again, my dad. He before I was born, it was still in Swindon. They uh, they lived in another place in Swindon, and he had a studio, like a home studio in a shed in his garden. And then when right. he when we moved house when I was born to a slightly bigger house, um there was a spare room that he turned into a studio, like a home studio. So I was just oh, sick. constantly around studio all the time. And like, just asked my dad yeah. questions constantly. Like he never did it like professionally, but he always did it and had like, yeah, there's always studio gear kicking around and he'd have his mates around for like writing tunes and just having fun with it basically. And then like, I think I was about, 12 when I got my first sort of like it was like a USB cable one end and then like the other end that's what I had and oh, I, okay. it just meant I could record guitar into my laptop so I did yeah, that yeah. and then from there I just sort of taught myself yeah so um no oh, it's frozen hang on one sec. I can't hear you. There you go. But yeah, so it was like um guitar cable to USB. I had that. It meant I could record guitar 
got this free program that I could start recording music. So I was just started recording and learning how to produce and record music basically. And yeah. sort of did it through YouTube videos and all that stuff. And then by the time I got to like college, I learned I knew enough that I wanted to pursue it basically. So I just started sending yeah. it to college and then did it at uni. I didn't learn too much at uni. <laughs> but just from being at uni meant I met and being in the band. I think the band was more beneficial to the whole recording and production side of things because it would it was just always gonna be a part of it. So it just meant I was doing it all the time. Like with writing songs yeah, yeah. and like creating full demos and all that stuff, like just learning doing it like that and recording bands like I think I recorded first band I recorded I was probably like 14 and it was this band from Bath called To The Wolves and uh they camped why do I, I recognize that name I'm not sure they they were a band back in the day but um I was so young and they, I did it for 30 pounds they stayed the whole weekend they camped in my garden <laughs> and they and they, they they I recorded them for 30 quid this this like EP and it was like the longest weekend of my life. And I was like, I can't believe I only charged him thirty pounds. But at the time, like thirty pounds was like mega bucks. And I was like, yeah, thirty yeah, quid, yeah, that's yeah, ten yeah. pounds a day. Uh, <laughs> so many sweets and stuff. I was just like, this is crazy. And they like camped in my garden and like stayed over for the whole weekend. And it was just a a, a lovely, horrible experience. <laughs> but does it still uh, exist anyway? God, I don't know, probably. Somewhere, I have to find it. If I find it, I'll send it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, did that, and then I think I recorded when I was in college. I recorded a band called King Voir. So that's like uh, they okay. all moved up to Brighton, but it's like Joe who used to play drums in Chubby and the Gang, and like State Funeral. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. his old band with Charlie Slopper, um, and someone else who I can't remember because I wasn't as pally with him because he didn't go to college but I knew the two more yeah and that's how I kind of got shows with natures in Brighton because Joe moved up to Brighton and obviously he was like in the punk scene down there and knew like it stuff like yeah yeah we played a few shows up there like house shows and stuff and like that's another thing Harriet played a house show um with Falbard in a kitchen about eight years ago as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in Brighton. Well, in Brighton. Yeah. And um, yeah. and I think, I want to say, Max, Tom, or I think it was Max and Tom from Narwhals turned up and we were like, oh my God, oh, this is crazy. It's just mental. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just like, it's all funny how things come full circle later on where you just end up meeting all these people that like, you like, played shows with back in the day that getting to do the Svalbard yeah, tour yeah. was funny because I watched, I remember watching sat on a wall with Joe outside in the garden watching for a kitchen window. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it was crazy, <laughs> crazy shows, but it was really fun. But yeah. Was that, was that, it was, uh, uh, South, oh, fuck, I can't remember. Oh, what was it called? South Coast Noise Society shows? The guys from yeah, Grindhouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, so when I moved to Bristol, I started a label, a DIY label called Slow God Records, which is then turned into what I now call my production stuff, which is Slow God Audio. Yeah. But, at the time, I had some like like mental health problems and stuff, so I was taking some time away from uni. So I was just at home all the time. I was like, "Screw this! I'm going to start spending my student loan money on like 
buying stuff to make cassettes at home. So I just started putting out a few bands from like uni and like putting out like Grindhouse and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just got in with those guys and started playing like house shows quite a bit, which is cool. I'm just doing that kind of thing. I just always have a vivid memory of that house. So the band that I was in before I joined it played that, that house. And um, the our drummer, obviously, like as I say, this was before I was in the band, but um, he was like, something had happened, and like obviously that yeah, it was tiny. ridiculous. Um, and somebody like bundled into the drum kit and like basically broke the snare right. stand. So I can't remember if it was like Franco who used to live there or someone else that used to live there. Basically, for the second half of the set, just stood with the fucking yeah, snare drum, so like just like above his that head, like kneeling down. So the most the that could house it. show thing is like literally. I just yeah. remember like being deaf afterwards because all the cabs were on the kitchen side, and yeah, like yeah. back then, like, I, I mean, even now I still don't often, but like ear protection, and we were just like everything up, could barely even hear the drums, and like and just yeah, blasting. Yeah both ears one cab ear one cab ear and like ever it was just crazy but like yeah it's good fun man like they were fun shows like played a few in cardiff as well mate tom kirby um yeah. he was pals with grindhouse that's when we met them did a few that's the first time i met um sean actually and it was spring break we played with do you remember spring break yeah it's so like yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. the first time i met sean um and played played that house show which was cool yeah, it's just good fun. I, like, I miss the house show. I, it doesn't really happen anymore, yeah. does it? Or, or at least no, I, or really. I'm, I'm I just think... obviously not getting invited if it does. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that was a really, it was a really fun I time where like it's... there was at least three or four every few months that we could kind of jump on and do, which was cool. I think it kind of fizzled yeah, out. Yeah. So you kind of just needed one person that really didn't give a shit about his neighbours or the council or the police. I was going to say, and I think because we're unfortunately we're getting a lot older now yeah so no one, no no one's yeah no one's that reckless anymore, anymore. <laughs> yeah can't really get away with that no one wants to lose their house basically yeah yeah exactly yeah Especially exactly it's not the time but it was a good time but, yeah. but like I've, the reason i kind of wanted to bring up like your sort of like the recording production side of things is obviously like just because it again like it's something that maybe not necessarily people know about you and and things and like I know more recently you've been recording some like local bands to like here. Obviously you did like yeah. Perp Walks stuff recently. So is there any other stuff that you've um, done recently? I mean, with band being so busy, it's hard to find the time because as much as I'd love to do it as a full-time job, as my job other than doing the band, the work's not always there. So I can't just commit to it and then hope that yeah. it'll be fine. I'm trying to do that now. But um, yeah, so... Perp Walk, me and Tom Weeks from Novels uh, did that together. Um, uh, we're actually mixing it tomorrow. Um, other than that, when I had a studio, which I had briefly for about six months yeah, until yeah. Uh, there was a mold problem and we had to just sack it off, basically. Um, I recorded... Yeah. Well, I actually get like drums and bass and some guitars down for Chewing Glass Collective. Do you know those guys? Yeah, like Dan. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of in the background, in the works. But obviously, I lost the studio. So that's turned into more of a 
Dan's now recording all the guitars and vocals by himself, and then it's going to just turn into more of a mix and master project. And Tom's reamping the yeah. guitars to so like. But other than that, as much like I want to do more, but it's finding the time, um, and especially not having yeah. the studio anymore. If stuff comes up that's cool that I have the time to do, I will. But I'm just mainly taking on mixing and mastering stuff these days, just because it's quite that's a fair. job to do it on your own. Which is why I started doing bits with Tom, which is fun. I'm really yeah, excited yeah. for this Perkwalk record, though. It's uh, it's wicked. It's I think people are gonna really like yeah. it. It's, it's it's really cool. It's like grungy flex. <laughs> so Sick. get around it. It's like yeah. That. Like exit order meets the flex meets Nirvana, if that makes sense. But it's honestly, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> That's a weird mix, yeah, but really, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that to come out. Because obviously, like you mentioned, that like not having a studio and stuff at the moment. But is that something that you're like kind of looking into, or is it just if, if the opportunity it ever arises, arose again? I mean, I was looking for about three years to oh, find fuck, a spot okay. and then that one came up and then it fell through so it might be it yeah, could be another yeah. three years till something else like especially yeah, with yeah. just with the band sort of becoming more a main sort of point of my life now that i'm working less so i'm just i haven't got the money to to fund to pay rent <laughs> on a studio like i'm subletting a room god's sake <laughs> I'm just like sort yeah, of getting yeah, by yeah. these days just so I can do do the band full time. So yeah, as much yeah. as I'd love to one day have a studio again, um, it's not on the cards anytime soon. I've got to kind of just focus on just focus on the band, really. It's, which is cool. Yeah. That's what I've got to do. But yeah. And just to kind of like stick on work sort of stuff for a minute, like again, people that know you will know this, but obviously like you've like you work at well currently work yeah. at a vegan kitchen and stuff and like have kind of worked in kitchens for a, yeah. a while and stuff and like obviously before we kind of had this conversation i said like oh are there sort of like certain things that you want to kind of touch upon that kind of influence your life and you said like veganism is yeah, a big sort sure. of part of that so like in terms of like i guess the the chefing side of it like was that something that you just kind of fell into? Yeah. Or was that something? Yeah. That so when I worked in Swindon, well, when I lived in Swindon, sorry, uh, I got a KP job when I was like 15. And as anyone knows, if they work in hospitality, you start KPing and then they're like, oh, can you peel this box of spuds? And then you end up, yeah. you work your way <laughs> yeah. up and then you end up being a service chef and all this stuff. So I've never done any other kind of job like retail or anything like that. Like I've not built for that. I got, Facebook radio so yeah. uh, um so I was like I was like right okay I can do this and I I do enjoy it like um so when I moved to Bristol it was like the best it was it was it was good because it was a skill that translates well to Bristol because there's so many places that were hiring for chefs and stuff like that so yeah when I moved to Bristol I started working at the volunteer tavern and I learned a load there because I was still learning the whole time I wasn't like a good chef but from then I've been doing yeah. it for like what now like 10 years and then I yeah did yeah. that for a while jumped jumped to other places and then sort of ended up at three brothers burgers I don't know crystal and then yeah, from yeah. there that's I was vegan then and they didn't have a vegan or veggie menu really so 
I created the whole vegan veggie menu at Three Brothers. Oh, that's it. Which was cool. That was fun. Like that was definitely not for someone that doesn't. Chefing's not like my full time like life career that I want to do forever, but I do really enjoy it. So, but to have the opportunity yeah, to yeah. Eat, like a full vegan menu somewhere is a bit mad, which is fun and definitely a challenge. But I really enjoyed doing that. And then I started working mm. for Liana at LB's because that came up, which yeah. was cool when it was super flexible for touring and like fully vegan, which is, I've never worked somewhere where it's just all been vegan, which has been really cool because as much yeah. as I don't want to have to cook meat, you can't be picky and choosy about where you work. It's still, I still need to pay the yeah, bills yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but it's cool that I managed to finally get to somewhere that was all um, vegan. But unfortunately, it's closing down now, which is a shame because of the climate yeah. and the the world we live in and the cost of everything going up and stuff, yeah, which yeah. is a shame. But um, it's, it was a really fun time. And yeah, like just, yeah, big part of my life has been chefing just because that's been the only sort of trade skill I could do. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes alongside quite well with just the lifestyle of being in a band. Quite but, yeah yeah but and then in terms of like the mm. like actually sort of like being like vegan yourself and things like that like how did you kind of sort of like explore it and and stuff like and because as i said like i asked you to kind of bring up some pointers so like, why is it still like so important sorry the first bit cut off it got a bit glitchy what did you say <laughs> I should say so like in terms of like you kind of exploring yeah. like veganism and deciding to kind of mm. become vegan like how did that sort of side of things enter your life and like how why is it so yeah so I think when I moved to Bristol I I did still eat meat but not much anyway and I think just yeah just from being a student and like the expenses of being a student and like living and stuff it was cheaper to just not yeah, buy yeah. And, I, and, I, and a thing for me was like it wasn't like I didn't I wasn't like I didn't feel like I was missing out by not eating meat and then that was kind of my yeah. like well if I can do this anyway then why why not just go the whole hog and I went vegetarian and I was vegetarian for like four or five years and then I think I've been vegan for about four years now so yeah veggie for like seven or eight years now but yeah i mean the vegan thing it just was a kind of natural progression from when i went veggie i never like went back and like swapped between like oh yeah i'm veggie but then yeah yeah every now and again i'll have a chicken wing or something it was like if i do it i kind of <laughs> i kind of scare myself into just sticking with it because i that's just how i am and i was just all right yeah all right, i'm veggie now but yeah, yeah i mean yeah. definitely over the last like three or four years it's definitely been more apparent with like sort of publications and stuff touching on like the sort of environmental like all the environmental stuff about just I mean I'm not a preachy vegan I won't like get annoyed at someone because they're not vegan but I do respect yeah, people yeah. that kind of will have a, a vegan meal once a week or like do you know what I mean just sort of people that understand it and respect it and just sort of they don't get annoyed at you for being vegan you don't get annoyed at them for not being vegan because yeah yeah. because of the world we live do you know what i mean everyone has their own things and stuff like that but 
I do think it's important. And I just, I like animals. And I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> I say, I'm not like super clued up on being vegan, but I, it literally boils down to it's a slightly better thing for the environment. And I just wouldn't eat my pet dog. So why would I eat a cow? Yeah. You know what I mean, like, yeah. I, that's what I got into. I was just like, animals are cool. Pigs are sick. Like, yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> come on. Like, I'd much rather have a pig to, like, hang out with for, the like, the rest of its life than eat a bacon sandwich that lasts 10 minutes. And it's like, that's whatever. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the, the, life's, no, the life's a lot more valuable that. than the product. And you can kind of, the way, like, well, even just the time I've been veggie and vegan, the amount of products out there now that you can kind of, if I say I'm not preaching, but you can be vegan. It's not like, <laughs> it's not hard. Not it's not that, yeah, yeah, it's it. I'm not preaching, but it's not hard if you really wanted to give it a go, give it a go. It's, it's, uh, if I can do it, right. I'm not, I'm not a slim, I'm not a slim built man. I'm, uh, I do all right. I get by. <laughs> And I'm vegan, so yeah. So it's just uh, yeah. I don't know. It kind of fell into my lifestyle, but I, I yeah, yeah. It. And I guess like, as you say, like now, like with sort of like the options and stuff that are available and things like flipping back to like the music side of things, like that, like makes obviously like with touring and stuff. I think like. I remember when, like, the first couple of tours that I did when I was like a lot younger. At, at that point, I was still eating meat, but like, I had friends that were like yeah. either veggie or vegan, and like on the rider, you'd get like. I mean, that's still black. very, very the same and, these and days. But like, yeah, obviously, there's more. Yeah, there. but like you. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you'd yeah. be lucky to get that in those days. It's a like given. Now, yeah, like, it's it's that's it. You, yeah, you, yeah. It's it's so much more you almost get angry if you yeah exactly exactly it's like uh, no i <laughs> i don't want to eat falafel and hummus two like two weeks straight but i i'm appreciative that that is an option that gets thought about so i mean that, that's <laughs> yeah. cool but yeah it's definitely a lot easier to do it these days um and just it i think another thing for me going vegan was like it opened me up to just being a chef not doing like kind of lazy meals of just like oh this this and this like you kind of I, I had a bit more fun with food and like experimenting on just cooking different stuff that I wouldn't eat normally because you kind of have to, you yeah, don't just yeah. buy a pack of chicken and make blah 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 or blah 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 and like you kind of have to think outside the box a bit and I think that was quite interesting and that drew me in a lot as yeah. well for sure but... so then like as so we kind of covered like the base of like that kind of I don't want to say barren period, but like a period where, as you say, like Harriet wasn't recording stuff, but you were still playing shows and the sound had changed a bit. So then if we kind of talk about like the introduction of Deb. So I, I was weirdly, I, I was kind of like internet friends with Deb for ages and didn't meet her properly until obviously we met yeah. on that Svalbard tour. But like I saw her old band, hands. Uh, I think they played like Upstage yeah, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like years ago, um, and then all of a sudden she popped up with you guys, 
and I was sort of like, oh, okay, like that's the thing. But like, so obviously she's still in Birmingham. You guys are Southwest. How yeah. did that kind of come about that she? Yeah, it was a weird in? one. Um, so when we were still a three piece, when Deb wasn't in the band, um, we played with Dead Hands at the Stag and Hounds in Bristol. Um, right. With, I think it was who was on it. Elenkus, you know those guys. I think like I don't know, like oh, like mathcore. Sure. It was like a mathcore right. kind of bill, and employed to serve. I'm pretty sure as well. Right. Um. So it's like yeah, us dead hands employed to serve. I think it was like an effigy event or something like that. Um. Yeah. And we saw them and uh, they were sick and like really fun to hang out with. And then vice versa, they enjoyed our set. We were just having beers and hanging out, and then we end up sorting out a little weekender. Because we played a few shows with them like here and there, and then we sort out Bender with Dead to Hands, yeah. which we did like three shows, and that was cool. And then, yeah, I think just from just playing shows because we were kind of on the same circuit at the time, doing that, blah, blah blah blah. And then I think Dead Hands was kind of fizzling out a little bit because of other commitments, like live commitments and stuff, just as things go. And Deb messaged her hand like thinking about starting a new band if like any of you guys are up for it and then Erhan spoke to me and Julian and we were all just like you can start a new band or you can just join us if you want because <laughs> we're not really like <laughs> tied to any particular music right now because we've just been playing shows and writing and playing the stuff live but not we haven't released anything in such a long time it's kind of like the yeah, yeah. kick up the arse that we needed to sort of kind of get back on the horse and take it a bit more seriously again um and obviously yeah. we said it's like i mean like the say so deb came to us so like we we said it was like i'm in bristol those guys are in swindon you're in birmingham are you sure are you sure you want to do this <laughs> she was like yeah it's cool and yeah, it just yeah. worked out plus so she's been i mean we don't get together as frequently for like band practices and stuff now because we're playing all the time so we don't need to, but back in the day, yeah. Yeah, it was like a once a, once a week, she'd drive from Birmingham to Bristol. Those guys would drive from Bristol, because I don't yeah. drive. And we kind of just, Bristol was the hub for us. To, like, kind of yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's just kind of how it happened. And then we'll say we we did one little weekender before lockdown. That was like our first shows with Deb. Bear in mind, she yeah. was in the band like six months prior. We'd been writing new material and getting a set together so we could do this little weekender, but we hadn't actually put anything out yet. And then yeah. lockdown happened. So <laughs> that was that. And then, like I said, we spent the whole of lockdown just sort of passing ideas between us and getting stuff ready for if and when things went back to normal. So that's kind of how yeah, we got yeah. to, what, two years ago. And then from then, we've just been doing that since. <laughs> and because obviously, like, as you said, like, your sort of first instrument and, and still to this point, like, you're still writing yeah. stuff on guitar and things like that to sort of hash out ideas with, with Harriet and stuff. But obviously, I'm just talking, like, purely, like, from an aesthetic. Obviously, you've got Deb, you've got Airhan, And then, obviously, you're, like, you're doing bass and vocals, but... So from like a layman's term, just looking at it, you probably think, oh, the two guitarists are mm. the ones that are doing it in terms of the writing. But like, 
obviously conversations that, that we've had and stuff and i know that deb's like sung your praises and stuff before like you are very much like an integral part of of writing those riffs and and things like that so how did the three of you kind of work in terms of like the song yeah i mean i think that kind of just fell on me because the band when we first started it was my idea of like this is what i want to do as a band and the other guys just backed it the whole time and were quite cool with just sort of letting me take the reins on how the sound went like obviously we still wrote together but I'd bring ideas and more full ideas to sort of hash out with the guys. And then, yeah, when Deb joined, I mean, it's still very much... Well, when we get together, because when we get together, the time is valuable because we've all come from across the Southwest and stuff to, like, (laughs) sort of get together. We tend to try and have stuff in in the bank ready so that when we get together, it's just a case of piecing bits together and sort of jamming and fleshing stuff out because when we did the ep we we got together for a whole week and we were like using the old ideas and like the way we write is very much we've got a dropbox folder and we all chuck in riffs and ideas and singy bits or like noises anything that we think is cool and then i kind of open that folder and try and make it I try and piece together some sort of idea we then when we yeah. get into a room together can sort of work on and flesh out and that's kind of how we've done it yeah um since well yeah since sort of the first singles we started putting out when Deb was in the band but I, I think I just mm. take more of a producer role in the band so like we all write stuff yeah yeah and I write quite a lot, but that's because I have the means to sort of record a lot more and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, just sort of, I take the producer role of just piecing ideas together that we all sort of chuck in. So, yeah. Mm. I guess that's kind of that way. And then in terms of, like, the, like, lyrics and stuff, like, again, because obviously since Deb's joined, that's added that yeah, yeah, absolutely. different dynamic yeah. in terms of, like, vocals and stuff. But like, are you the one that's writing everything, or are you? So yeah, this is the this has been the coolest thing about the whole thing. So when Deb joined, I knew she could sing, but she didn't like to. I knew she she I knew she could scream, but she (laughs) wasn't confident enough to do it. So when we first started doing those first few singles, I was very much like, right, producer hat on, sing. Do screaming vocals because you're really good at it, and then it was just kind of building up this confidence of like, look, you're, you can do this. Let's try it. Because I wasn't, I'm not like a confident vocalist either. It was just something that you had to, yeah, yeah. I had to do it because we didn't have a vocalist, and then it just turned into it. And like, to this day, I still think it's just it's enough to get by. It's the kind of music I can get by with just doing what I do. Um, and we kind of just, I think, both felt the same about how we perceive vocals in a band and then from doing it together we kind of built each other's confidence up doing it like that and then when we do songs and stuff we both have lyrics and like sometimes all of us kind of write lyrics collectively through our notes on our phone of like we have all have separate lyrics and then we kind of collate them into one song or 
sometimes I'll have a yeah. full song or sometimes Deb has a full song. But we, when we do write separately, we, because we obviously have our own bits, we are very, we make sure that we're yeah. very conscious of what we're writing about. So that like, if we pick a topic yeah. or an issue or whatever we're writing about, we make sure we're both on the same page so that then they fit together in that yeah, sort yeah. of sense. But yeah, I think we uh, most of the stuff we've written for the band lyrically has been me and Deb doing it together because we record vocals yeah. together when we do it. Because that's what I was going to ask was like, in terms of like themes and stuff, like, is that something that you have like, I guess like the example that you gave, like if you've come to to it with like a full like song written, so to say, is it kind of then like a democracy of like, okay, this is what the song's about, this is like the mm. theme of it, sort of thing, and then like if they're like, oh, actually, not too sure about, that, yeah, I yeah, I mean, like scrap, maybe the, scrap that sort of thing. So my main influence on my lyrics are that ties in with my like sort of my love of medieval kind of kind of the the classic heavy metal stuff but like the medieval stuff that i'm into and like just that general stuff but i kind of use that as like a way to not be so obvious with my lyrics about certain issues or current events or whatever i i kind of use medieval kind of settings and like the more like barbaric side of stuff back in the day not back in the day like centuries ago to like i compare that to <laughs> i compare that to sort of like the barbaric stuff that's going on today if you know what i mean and that yeah, yeah. helps me sort of write about current things that are going on without getting too political so they can kind of be a bit more interpreted by people however they want and they're not just I, yeah, yeah i'm very much everyone has their own opinion and i don't want to be I, I i stand for what i stand for but i'm not do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't like. I'm not clever enough to get into it with someone about politics or anything like that. So, yeah, like, yeah. the way I write lyrics is just very, yeah. I just relate sort of themes and current issues and things I feel strongly about to stuff that, well, doesn't matter to a lot of people. So then they can kind of take it with a pinch of salt and do it like that way. I think Deb is aware of that so she writes similarly to that but she kind of hits it on the head a bit more with certain issues which is yeah. cool because then I do the same I kind of try and get out of my the way I write and start writing how she writes and I think we kind of just mix it up a little bit so yeah, it's yeah. not too much of like either basically but that's kind of how I go about yeah. lyrics and stuff that's cool well I think that's a good sort of segue into like as you said, the sort of like medieval sort yeah. of like side of things. So, how did you get into all that side of things? And like, yeah, I mean, see, this is the you were saying about like how the band would come up and say, "Oh, I don't know, Pat, that's not a good idea." I've managed to, I have managed to segue <laughs> so much um, of my silly little hobbies and uh, in, like, do you know what I mean, into the band <laughs> and trying to like persuade them that it's a good idea. And I mean, it's. it's gone all right so far but um yeah just <laughs> i don't know man I, I love uh i think i always got taken to like castles and stuff as a kid 
always love fantasy stuff. I play D and D like once a week and just just love all that stuff. And I think it goes hand in hand. I think just growing up seeing like artwork with swords and stuff on just resonated with me yeah, a lot because yeah. it's like two of my loves in one thing. I love that classic metal kind of uh like medieval influence on classic metal and stuff like that. And I wanted to try and bring that into a more modern setting in the musical, in the music that I make. I mean, um, yeah. some very much into like, yeah, like medieval stuff, armor, swords, weapons, and all that stuff. And I think, like I say, it goes hand in hand with metal. But also, I like industrial yeah. side of things and like sort of that kind of just settings help me write music. So like, if I'm right with it in mind, it helps yeah. me like create a world that I'm writing the music in, if you know what I mean. So mm. mixing them together kind of creates this like setting that is Harriet that I like to write in. And like sometimes I'll write with a, a video idea in mind and then I'll tell Harry and then we start fleshing out for a video and stuff like that. It just helps me. It's just like a little yeah. catalyst for like writing basically. But I don't know how I've got away mm. with the half the stuff I've managed to do in the band so far, but <laughs> <laughs> we got there yeah it's been a bit of a weird one but like in terms of that like as you say kind of maybe like it's subconsciously parts of it have like gone in like as you say like going around castles like swords yeah. and, and so on and so forth but like then obviously it becoming like part of your like interests and personality and stuff and then transferring that into like the music side of things have you kind of like I don't want to say it's like studied up on medieval history and things like that, but I guess kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, it's like relating stuff that happened centuries ago to like current climate and kind of mm. blurring those lines. Have you done like quote unquote research to sort of like how see how you can like weave so again, those similar to like what I was talking about um, earlier about musical influences. And I like the way that sounds, but I won't, I won't listen to the whole song or like I'll just listen to 10 seconds of it. Yeah. I'm very much like I've got loads of books and loads of bits, but I won't go too deep into it because I don't want to just end up writing a song about this thing that happened in the past because then that's not what yeah, yeah. I'm using it for. I'm using just the way I perceive or the way I interpret some things that have happened in medieval history to events now rather than them being like, super historically accurate if you know what i mean so it's yeah, a very yeah, much yeah. more so an image imagery thing of like images that inspire me and sort of i don't research i've got books and stuff that i read but i don't like i'm not a, an avid reader i don't like i'm not that kind of person <laughs> yeah. i just i'm a, a, a bit more visual audio visual sort of learner not a i can't yeah. sit and read a book because i'll just get distracted after 10 minutes kind of thing so like i'll flick through and like find some cool bits and like <laughs> yeah. i'll do that loads but i won't sit down for a long period of time so i think yeah not necessarily uh yeah i don't research too much but it's definitely i yeah it's yeah. definitely around me and i like looking at it and stuff <laughs> but. yeah oh i think like on that like obviously you've we've mentioned harry a couple of times and he is somebody that I want to get on here as well. Talk, sure, talk yeah, to him yeah. about like all the stuff that he's doing at some point. 
but obviously like he's very much like almost the oh yeah official figure yeah, member yeah. of harriet at this at this point and like because obviously like i know that a lot of your ideas are kind of like the the what's created like i guess the aesthetic of of harriet side of things yeah. as well as like his style of like videography and photography and things like that but like i guess kind of like where i'm going with this is like coming out of lockdown and i guess prior to you guys completely like exploding mm -hmm. like did you kind of have like this kind of i guess like mood board of like what you wanted like everything around the release to look like how it was going to be put together and things like that or was it a bit more sort of like again that kind of diplomatic like democracy among the band of like discussing what you wanted to to do um, like, creatively no nah, I've, I've i've had it in my mind for quite a while before we started writing check <laughs> I've, I've always thought it'd be quite a cool way to sort of approach a band because like with the way harry's sort of uh style and videography works it kind of isn't necessarily what you would uh coincide with say like the sort of imagery and the medieval stuff that i'm into but then mixing that together kind of creates yeah. this thing that is now turned into what is our sort of imagery and stuff like that i think that makes sense so like, yeah yeah um someone put it quite funny it was like uh, like you're like a extreme metal band with shoegaze visuals <laughs> and like it's kind of like <laughs> I, yeah i guess i guess you're not wrong right it is like that but then that's that's mine and harry's influences crossing over there but yeah yeah i mean growing up like i i love metal and i love like metal core like the really obnoxious stuff that like we all have a soft spot for and all that kind of stuff and like just trying to branch out a little bit more with um not doing a video in a forest with like full band yeah, you know, yeah. You know what i mean like it's just like there's other ways you can kind of get around that and like not saying that that's bad it's just been done a lot so like just trying to mix it up a few, yeah, yeah taking a few uh risks and uh sometimes it doesn't always work and we go in with like mood boards and plans yeah. but half the stuff happens on the shoot day where we're like let's try this oh yeah did you bring that sword yeah let's try this and like just messing around basically it's just <laughs> me and harry having a laugh and having a bit of fun with it and then it yeah, turns yeah. out how it turns out and we, i think that's just how it's worked it's it's definitely yeah the way things like the the sort of content in the videos uh like from my mind and like been inspired by the things i'm into but i think harry kind of turns that into something that i wouldn't envision it as which then recreates it if you know what i mean so it's just how i yeah, see it yeah. it's his touch on it as well and then the rest of the band are just quite open to letting me and harry just fuck about basically <laughs> there is no nice way to put we're just having a bit of fun and it's just it's always a good laugh basically and because obviously like around the the release like because obviously i think before profound mortality came out like you'd kind of obviously started playing around with those like the visuals and the the effects and things like that but obviously when that record was like on its kind of like mm. press cycle and things 
then the shift in like the color tone was definitely like noticeable and it was, it's obviously something that's kind of carried yeah that wasn't intentional too much um i think when when we were doing the singles before before we started doing the release i had this idea of just like I, I made the three artworks for the singles before the singles were even written and I just had them next to each other on this like Photoshop document like right let's pick a colour for every single this will be an idea <laughs> and then we did that yeah. and then I think people subconsciously took that as right so there's going to be a different colour every time they put a song out not on purpose kind of thing and then when we did the the EP like the record and then it just fell into being orange and now lots of things are orange and red and stuff and it's just <laughs> sort of accidentally happened i guess because we're not like <laughs> whatever we do next won't be orange it'll be chaos well, it's the, the, well that was going to be my next question was like have you are you already thinking ahead of like what the visuals and aesthetics are going to be for like the next so, yeah so very much so yeah. when doing the sing yeah when doing the singles when doing the singles going into the EP, when we were doing the videos for the singles, I was definitely thinking about how this was going to transition into the EP. And when we did the videos, it's very loose, yeah. but there is a narrative that me and Harry kind of came up with at the pub. We went to the pub and we were like, right, let's plan out this whole this whole <laughs> campaign for this EP and the videos and what songs are going where and the story. And it was pretty fleshed out. But then as we started doing the videos and like the budget of the videos isn't much and stuff like that, it kind of took a not so much of a forefront it's definitely there if you know it but it's not like yeah a full narrative video like we did like what wasn't banned but yeah yeah it's sort of underlined throughout and then that's now carrying across into what's gonna be new material and new videos and stuff like that so it is okay, kind of cool. there but yeah we're we're in our medieval era but now we're transitioning into some sort of <laughs> hybrid <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah abomination thing that's coming soon. yeah but nice definitely uh yeah i think just the visuals help me picture how the record like what records and like what singles and stuff are going to sound like so yeah 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 and obviously like we started this conversation obviously talking about the tour that you're about to embark on with with zealand Ardol, but like this year in general has just been like a fucking wild year for you guys. And I think like every time I see you in person, I'm just like, dude, how the fuck was this and stuff like just talking about how like nuts your year yeah. has been. So I, I guess like firstly, like for you in the band, like when did you kind of like feel there was like a transition? And secondly, like what's been like the biggest point, like personal point for you this year? I mean, just from doing the singles, like the, like us just releasing music again, those three singles were us trying to find out what we wanted to do sound-wise, which is why we didn't commit to anything mm. straight up. We did it, We wanted to do these songs to kind of work out what we wanted to do as a group. And then by the EP, we kind of started finding that. So I was really like, not confident, but I was, I was confident in what we did and I was happy with it. I, if other people did like liked it, that's cool. But I was happy with it, so I was quite like pretty stoked on just finding something that we like doing. Um, so when that kind of started popping off, that felt like like 
it reassured me that what we were doing was cool. Not like that we're doing it specifically yeah. to be on a trajectory of whatever. It was just when you start doing something that you find like when we found what we were doing, it felt it felt good. And then it was like approved by people as well that were like basically saying like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And I was like, yeah, I, I think it is too. That's cool. Like that's nice to know that <laughs> yeah. people think it's cool as well. But um yeah, all the festival stuff has been crazy. And like, yeah, like just the Rolo tour, the Svalbard tour, like these are bands that played with, went to see when we were like kids and stuff. Being able to do that now is like crazy. That's cool. Supporting yeah, Napalm yeah. Death, mental, like absolutely crazy being able to do that. But um download was crazy. All the festival, like all of it's just crazy. Like every yeah step of that whole summer was just what is happening, and like like it's just <laughs> yeah. don't take it for granted at all because it could just stop tomorrow. But having a well good yeah, time, yeah. and like I'm not very good at talking about it, but I'm really really stoked. Obviously, <laughs> it's like every time you see me, you talk, you ask me about it, and I'm I just don't know what to say. So I'm just like, yeah, it's it's wicked, but like. I really like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to put it into words because I'm just so stoked on it. But yeah, it's just been fun. Yeah, really. yeah. But like, because on that, like, obviously talking about the way that you've kind of put like everything together, like aesthetically, and then the way that the band has kind of taken off. Like, I don't know, like, because you're on this like upward trajectory now. Not to say, like, oh, there's a need to, like, continue it and, like, push it and stuff. Because it does, like, everything's, like, from an outsider, like, everything seemed to be very natural in terms of, like, why you're on that upward curve. But I don't know, was has there ever been a point, like, between the four of you that you've kind of thought, like, oh, this is going somewhere, so we need to keep pushing it? Or is it, or has it just all been it's a been... flow? a very natural flow but we went into it after say our third single before the ep when we put the spirit out that was like our i think our yeah. collective proudest piece of work that we have done and the response we got from it was so nice and like cool that people were really into it that it felt like there was a chance to sort of go with it and like really really push hard because the singles gave us the opportunity to um sort of buy ourselves some time to try to word it but like plan ahead for not a trajectory yeah. of like we want to do this then this and this and this but just keeping the momentum up is really really been crucial to how things have sort of gone I guess yeah. it's just been yeah, yeah. busy. You just have to keep busy. After lockdown, when there was no gigs on, you had to be, you just have to be there all the time. You just have to be yeah, yeah. putting stuff out, content, anything, just, just be in front of people all the time and just play shows. And I think just from playing all these shows, they've led to better shows. And then those shows have got us festivals and yeah it's been very natural but then i think just as we've gone yeah it's yeah i don't know it just it just sort of happened really but 
we're we're very yeah. aware that being consistent and like keeping up content and just making sure nothing drops off is very very important to how the momentum goes because if as soon as you if we stop for a little bit yeah you just get lost in it because there's so much good stuff out there you need to just be on on the yeah, ball the yeah. whole time it's like a full-time job of just making sure that there's stuff planned out for at least two three months in advance for like socials and yeah shows and all that kind of stuff and then obviously you need to think like a year or a year and a half ahead for other things and like for records and recording studio tours all that kind of thing you just gotta be on it really but yeah that's the same with anything i guess because that was the, the other thing i was going to ask is like because of obviously the the upward swerve like it, i don't know like from my point of view it can be like a double-edged sword like yeah you'll get you're like gaining in popularity in terms of like like music fans and so on and so forth but then like you're also being like not that you like i don't think this has really happened with harriet in some sense but like you get picked up by like media and you kind of get like shoved in everyone's oh, yeah, face yeah, a little yeah. bit so there's that kind of like yeah that kind of like delicate balancing act and as you say like because you're now in this kind of like industry machine sort of thing you've got like I'm, it's a bit ironic that you're talking to me now but like you've <laughs> got to do press you've got to do the festival circuit you've got to think about like s- six months to a year yeah. down the line sort of thing you've got to do like whatever event and things like that so i don't know like from your perspective do you like enjoy like the industry side of it or is that just kind of like uh, a like a necessary evil to sort of progress the band yeah i mean i think a lot of the progression of the band as well has just been the scene that we're in as well because there's so much mm. coming up that everyone's just just after i keep saying it but after lockdown the, the noticeable difference in the amount of people coming to shows the amount of like yeah. bands coming out of nowhere and like just how supportive and friendly the fans and like people going to shows like the bands have been to everyone it's all like this cycle that i think that it's a lot easier to push that momentum faster because everyone's just yeah, it's yeah. like a, a way it's like a boiling pot that's like before i think feel like it was a lot of a uh, a lot slower process whereas so many people are just into it a lot more now that it's a lot easier to just sort of build something in a lot shorter amount of time but i mean the press yeah, side yeah. of things is like i I haven't got a problem with doing press. It's, it's, it's fun. I like talking to people about like what I'm interested in and like why I do it. And, yeah. Like the same goes with like talking to people that are interviewing and doing podcasts and stuff. It's like just talking to what talking to people about what they like and then having shared interests and stuff, like just talking about music and stuff like that. It's just like just talking to like minded people about stuff. It kind of that's what it turns into for me. Like I yeah yeah it is a necessary 
I wouldn't say evil, but it's definitely, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to slate it because it, it, we get some, like, it's, it's obviously helped with what we've been doing. But, um, yeah, I haven't got, I haven't got a bad or like a bad word to say about press, but it's, it's just, it's just there and it's cool. And obviously all the yeah, people that, yeah, yeah. all of the, um, like the writers and the people that are doing the press and like all the photographers, like, there's so much, there's so many cool people doing it all as well. It's not like, yeah, it's quite like, like you say, like the machine, but the machine is built up yeah. with just loads of like, instead of the, like, they're not in a band, but they do this instead. Like just, you know what I mean, like being yeah, 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 someone yeah. in a band is the same as being a writer at a magazine. Like it's just all a person that isn't a part of the scene and not, do you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm, it's hard to explain, but. No, 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 I, mean... no, I fully get what you mean, like, because I think that was, like, before, like, I did bands myself, like, because I don't play a fucking instrument, like, I was always, like, very much, like, well, how can I contribute? That's it, yeah, and, that's like, exactly that's it, like, we're I all just it. contributing like, like... to this thing we all love, that's what how I see it, it's just, like, yeah, yeah, if you make videos, you take photos, you write, like, you write for magazines, you, like, do sound, lighting, any like anything, like playing a band, all of the stuff. It's all just we're all just doing it because we like it. <laughs> we like keeping we like keeping yeah, this yeah. thing that we're a part of going, basically. And it wouldn't work yeah, if yeah, yeah. one of those weren't there, if you know what I mean. Because it all kind of just yeah, like, revolves around itself and like cycles around basically. That's how I you know, so like yeah. I I'm not fussed with doing press or not. I enjoy doing it because it's, again, it's like, like playing shit. It's all just a thing that needs to happen. So all of this keeps going, basically. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But I said, the reason I kind of, like, I was a bit selfish in bringing this up because I wanted to bring up a certain point. But I think, like, one of my favorite things that I've seen in the last year, I think, was it the Heavy yeah, Music Awards? Yeah, okay. So, for for anyone who has ever been in Bristol and has seen Jake Packer, you you have a very distinctive <laughs> coat that you wear, don't you? I do have a coat I wear, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Into hell and back. At the Heavy Music Awards. Yeah, but at the Heavy Music Awards, you were alongside your fellow bandmates who were dressed to the nines, and you were in, still in your <laughs> iconic coat, and I oh, fucking mate, loved I'm it. Just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a dress-up person. I'll turn up to whatever in, in that. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like when that photo popped up, it made me so happy. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Again, face for radio, mate. I, I'm just... I like being, I like being <laughs> in the band because it's fun. I don't do it for all that stuff. <laughs> no, that's um, fair, man. That's fair. Mm. But, like, obviously, in terms of where you're at, like, I've realised I'm taking up way nah, too much of your nah, time nah. and you've got pizza waiting for you. Um, but, like, where... Obviously, you've kind of said, like, you're already kind of thinking on to the, to the next things. And, obviously, you've said you've got a tour that's not yet announced and stuff. But, like, where are you kind of at, I guess, in terms of, like, the next phase so, of the period? Yeah. Tour, tour in November. We've got our last festival of the year this saturday in netherlands soul crusher which would be sweet and then tour in november with zeal 
and then there's a few things that aren't announced yet for the end and the start of well end of this year and the start of next year but very much um i don't know what i can say and what i can't say but not that not that anyone's <laughs> told me that i can't say anything but i don't want to like say something and then uh yeah like, yeah yeah julian will have a go at me or something <laughs> but um yeah we're we're <laughs> always writing new music and scheming and thinking about what we do next so yeah hopefully i mean the ep only came out in april but there'll be yeah, some yeah. new stuff coming out pretty soon and the whole of Sick. next year is going to be well the record the the first album is next year for sure Sick. it's I'm miles away but it's in the it's in the back <laughs> of our heads and there's material floating about and ideas and all that stuff all that fun stuff so yeah just yeah that and a lot Sick. of europe next year as well it should be cool. nice nah have you looked nah have you done much My first europe? europe show is this nah. saturday salt crusher oh yeah. fuck okay Going euro tunnel sick full job so that'll be fun nice and then yeah lots of europe next year which would be cool which is always like I, the the I main bucket list goal like if you talk if we go back to talking about cold harbor since i've been in a band just want to yeah, yeah. just want to go to europe man I just want to yeah drive around shows and stuff do you know what i mean so yeah, you know how it is <laughs> honestly i'm i miss touring europe so much it's like my favorite yeah, fucking yeah, thing that's it Right, before I do let mm. you go, Packer, how I close off is I always ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So, what's your favourite Harriet song that you like to play live and why? Um, uh, probably Near Vision. Yeah, it's fast. Yeah. It's got a riff in it. It's like a minute and a half, <laughs> and I wish it was longer, but it's not, because it is. But that's fun. Yeah, it's just got all the bits. It's quite fun. And it's got a mosh, it's got a mosh riff at the end. Sick. Yeah. Happy days. It always, it always goes off. So it always what goes more off. could you want? <laughs> yeah. Sick. Well, Packer, thank you very much for, yeah, for no joining worries. me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm sure I will bump into yeah, you definitely. at some point soon. But if not, I will see you yes. at Zealand. Are you going to the, um, the Pinch show? Oh, I might see you there. Then. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sick. Tidy. Right. Awesome, man. Take it easy, my dude. Cheers, bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Jake for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me. Um, as you probably noticed, there was a couple of like glitches in terms of my fire alarm going off a couple of times uh, and Jake actually being interrupted by his housemate for them to deliver food. But I hope you enjoyed the episode nonetheless. Um, as mentioned at the very sort of start of the chat that I had with Jake, uh, Harriet will be heading out on the road with Zia Leonardo as of this uh, Sunday, I believe the first date is. Um, so if they're playing City near you, please check them out. I will put the dates in the um, episode show notes along with all of Harriet's social media where you can find them and keep up to date with what they're doing. I will also put the links to Jake's engineering project on there as well. So if anybody does want to have jake record mix master any of the stuff they're working on hit him up he is fucking fantastic um and yeah i'm gonna leave it at that we've got another fantastic chat coming up for next week i have 
potential guests lined up for the following week so we are hitting this full steam ahead once again so if this is your first time listening to the Justin Insight podcast thank you for checking us out if you're returning to the Justin Insight podcast after our little hiatus again huge thank you and appreciation for your patience and we will be back next week so thank you for stopping by and I'll see you soon (laughs) 